Get ready, golf lovers. The boys are teed up and ready to go. Backspin, thanks to Inside Golf. Hello and welcome to Backspin, brought to you by Inside Golf, Australia's most read golfing publication. My name is Larry Canning. With me in the studio is renowned coach and renowned mate, Gary Barter. G'day, guys. How are you, mate? I'm good, good. What a show we're going to be looking at having here. We're trying to summarise 2022, Gary. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, in the space of minutes. Mm. Uh, and I reckon it'll take around a week just get comfortable. We'll get some food brought in. We will have a try, though. We're also talking to Grant Field, Cam Smith's coach, and that'll be fascinating to get some insight. Get He's some, a good get man. Some, he's a terrific He's a player, very, isn't he? very good man. They're very, a great, great team. Very humble. Our spit, guys, for the show, we're talking about how long the world rankings people are taking to award or not award rankings to live golf. I can only sense that it's a move. It, it's, it, it seems to me, it sort of reeks a bit of, we're going to wait as long as we can so players don't jump. You, th- you, think, they're stall- you think they're stalling? I think they're stalling big time. <laughs> when you see he's on that board. Mm. I mean, the uh, Tiger Woods son, I don't know whether you've seen this footage of him being Tiger Woods instead of Tiger Woods' son, Charlie. I saw on Twitter, he, he looked like he was injured and he, he paused halfway oh, down. and that, yeah. And then he had the sort of Tiger Tiger sort of fall yeah, over fall through the ball. Over. Oh, God, he's becoming a th- bit of a theatrical little piece, isn't he? But on a serious note, if he's if he's injured at oh, 12, don't, 12 don't, years don't of age, like, like seriously, like it's not it's not looking good for him, is it? Yeah, okay. Like, <laughs> it didn't look all that. Growing pains was Tiger's mm. uh, explanation. Yeah, I've, I've got them too, apparently. Yeah, I sometimes fall over on ice week. No, we're growing outward, (laughs) not upward. We're going to do a tip, guys, but we're going to wait until after we talk to Grant Field, I think, and then we'll come up with a tip based on what he's saying. So I like putting tips because I can't do it. It'll be interesting if it goes down that path. Live golf, it's taking a different... God, again, how do you summarise the year? The first thing I think of is live golf. The second thing I think of is the PJ's reaction to live golf. The third thing is Phil Mickelson's remarks earlier in the year. Alan Shipnook, the journalist who exposed a quote that uh, Phil gave him over the phone that he's resented ever since. And of course the highlights, which we'll get into. But first of all, guys, we're going to go to Grant. He's in a car, he's driving, and he's a little short of time. We'll stretch that out as long as we can now. Yeah, it'll be a good interview. So, so we'll be talking to Grant right after this. The Backspin Interview, thanks to Inside Golf. Well, he's Australian PGA Coach of the Year for 2021-2022. Just happens to be the coach of arguably the hottest player, Gary, in the world in Cam Smith. I speak, of course, of Grant Field. Well, Grant Field, welcome to the Backspin. Very well, you guys? Yeah, we're going really well, thank you, mate. No, not quite as well as you, I don't think, because you're Cam Smith's coach, and, and we've just mentioned that in the lead-in. And and what a magnificent job you've done. But before we get to Cam, let's talk a little bit about you, Grant, your beginning to um, to your coaching career. How did it start and where? I started, um, I did my traineeship at Command Golf Club where I was a junior. And then pretty early on, I realised that I I wanted to coach. did my traineeship, I played for about a year. And I realised that, you know, I was out playing primes and watching other guys do their thing. And thought I might as well go and do what I actually want to do, which was help people. And, uh, yeah, so I went back and started coaching pretty early on. I was about 21 when I started coaching, uh, which is young for a lot of coaches. And then sort of here we are 25 years later. And well, you've just given away your age, mate. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you don't look it. That's okay. I, you know, look older. In those early days of coaching, what were the first things you realised you needed to know? You know, when I first started coaching, I just wanted to help people. That was really my only focus is I wanted to help people and, and I just sort of, even to this day, sort of my whole focus is if I can help somebody and then basically, you know, every day I learn something or read something or watch something to get better at what I do. That's kind of where my focus is and I think like early on, like a lot of us, we thought we knew a lot, whereas, you know, 25 years on I realised I, I still know only just scratching the surface. So, yeah, I wouldn't say that what I needed to know back there, but like basically it was all driven by, you know, just trying to help. Did you have any role models? as coaches? Yeah, I did. Well, Mark Gibson was actually the pro at the Landry Golf Club at the time, and yeah, I think a lot of it for me was I used to see him down the range uh, doing his thing, and I thought, geez, that's something I'd like to do, and yeah, he was sort of yeah, obviously helping people out, and um, he, he, like I said, he was not my first coach, but one of, one of my first coaches, and um, at that time, he was one of the only guys sort of in our area that were teaching full-time, I guess you could say, and or relatively full-time. I sort of saw him early on, and then Pete Heinegger was in our area. He used to be the, the pro at the high school, and when I was there, and now I was in Newsom Springs, and the 
go and watch him and, you know, Jim Barton was the QAS coach and I used to go and watch him and then, so they were sort of, the, I guess, the early ones that I looked at and, you know, saw as something that I would like to do, you know, going forward. There's some pretty good names there, Grant. Mark, uh, yeah, no, yeah Mark. Very, very passionate golf coach and somebody who still to this day loves coaching and remember he uh, used to have a thing on his desk that, and I think he still does that said those who dare to teach should never cease to learn and you know that's sort of a pretty good motto to live by. And Mark Gibson's a former Australian Coach of the Year. You've been Australian Coach of the Year the last couple of years so it's pretty good to see your name there from a guy that yeah. you sort of started with. It's pretty cool. Yeah and at the time like I, I didn't, you know, I'm the same as him I don't think, I don't think any of us ever set out for those things to happen I think you know, they're just byproducts of you know, working hard over a long period of time, but yeah, it is pretty cool. Like I said, I just used to watch and I used to think, you know, that's something that I'd like to do. I didn't know why at the time, but you know, I just thought it was pretty cool. I think fundamentally too, as you said, to help people, see them be the best players they can be, it's pretty satisfying. And as far as yeah, when no, Cam first turned up as a kid, you first met him, how old was he? So 10. So oh. basically had him in a, a junior squad up here on the Sunshine Coast. So he was at a club in North Brisbane, but within our zone, so to speak. He was put into my group, which kind of thankful of now. There was three pros. Peter Einiger was one of them as well, and, and Sean Seymour was the other one. And then he was just put into my group as a 10-year-old. Like, I coached him through that period, and the next year his dad came back and sort of said, you know, he thought it was time for him to have a coach full-time sort of thing. And then, would I be interested? He, you know, he really liked you. He said, would you like to coach him? And I said, yeah, sure. You know, like, not thinking that, you know, 18, 19 years later that he'd be you know, winning the Open and the, all the rest of, you know, that's sort of gone on over the last little bit. Was there something you saw in Cam, even as a young kid, that you thought he's different, he's special, or was there like a work yeah. ethic or just a different attitude? So at that sort of early age, 10 or 11, he was a bit cheeky, but in a good way, and which he still is, I guess, at 29. But I wouldn't say I was like, oh, this kid's going to be a world beater, but he did, especially short game-wise, when there was a competition on, he would generally either win or go very close to winning, and especially against older kids. So I'd say from a competitive point of view, he definitely had something special early on, but it wasn't until about 14 or 15 where I went, all right, I really think this kid's going to be different, because you know, there's plenty of kids that are good young just because they've played for longer. Like Cam's been playing since he's three years of age, right? So he's going to have a leg up on a lot of other kids just because he's played more golf but it wasn't until about that 14 or 15 where I went actually I really think that I've got somebody a bit special and I was already coaching some good players and some pros that were playing you know in Asia and in Australia and a few other different things but I was like you know I think this kid's going to be better and it was actually really good for me because it made me make a decision that I either need to keep improving with him you know and you know if I think he's going to go to where he's going to go to or I need to pass him on to somebody that can take him there um, so like I think for me as a coach it was excellent because it made me get better as, as well with him It's a credit to you many coaches get a reputation on coaching world class players but they've already picked them up when they're already great players they might pick them up when they're 21 23 25 but with Cam as a young kid I was very similar with Matt. I taught Matt Jones from when he was 15. But And even though I'm a few years older than you, we're sort of in the same era where we, you and I came through fundamentally the art of the game. There was a basic, you know, looking at a golf swing from an early stage of video camera, but not a lot of science, not a lot of the anatomy. You and I have had to sort of move into understanding 3D, or a lot of elite coaches have. And I suppose that's the yep. decision that you would make, I presume, to move with Cam. Gary, that's got to be so rare. A player stays with the same coach since they were in their early teens. In the case of Cam, 10 years old. How many how many times would that happen? One in a hundred or something? One in a thousand? You look back at the, and obviously Cam's a, you know, you can use that word, a great player. That's what he is. Winning a major, winning the players, winning on the PGA Tour. If you look at whether it's Ben Crenshaw or Justin Leonard or many of the really great players have had a lifelong coach. That's old school though, isn't it? I mean, the, the modern contemporary coaches, there can't be many that just go right through like that. And we see it so often where a player goes, changes coaches, even changes equipment, even changes a golf ball, and suddenly the world's just falling apart for them. That's uh, one of the questions I was going to ask Grant today is that with someone at Cam's level, and obviously you've seen him progress to this level, one of the big responsibilities that that I know that you guys have undertaken is to just keep keep doing what you're doing and improve some one percenters. It's, it's, I remember when um, Butch was working with Tiger and obviously Tiger had the four majors on the shelf and Tiger wanted to know what they were going to do for him to get better and Butch said, look, 
we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. You know, we're doing a good job. And at that point, Tiger thought, I want to get better. I just don't want to keep doing what I'm doing. And if you look back at the history of Tiger, that decision to move to, I think he went to Hank Haney, then he went to uh, Sean Foley, then he went to Chris Como. And it's a fine line to see the grass as greener, but also at the same time, risk losing what you've established and the framework that's got you to the level of Tiger, who's, you know, in my opinion, the greatest player of all time. That's obviously argued, and it'll be, you know, be like talking about Don Bradman versus Tendulkar or whatever, but the reality is the era that Tiger's played through, the depth of the era and the quality of the players and the... So, but getting back to that question, with you moving forward with Cam, that would be something that you're mindful of, I presume. Yeah, absolutely, and and fortunately, you know, along the same lines as me when it comes to this, you know, um, and again, on your point there, like, we talk about improvement, and and I say it to players all the time, you know, I think, let's take another player that's maybe not at the same level as Cam, but, you know, I, I look at each area and go, okay, here's what you're currently doing good enough for you to do it at the level you want to do it at, right? And if the answer is no, which it usually is because we've been wanting to move forward, then is it A, a work in progress, or B, will it never be, right? So if it's a work in progress and we believe we're doing all the right things, we just need to get better at it and stay on track, right? But if there's certain aspects whether in my game that are not good enough and, and are never going to be good enough, regardless of how much I practice them, then maybe they need to change. So because we set that framework in place a long, long time ago, We've always held that belief that, you know, his improvement would come from doing it more, not from changing what he currently does. Yep. And so, you know, by by just sticking at it, like a lot of us, you know, like we get better at our jobs because we've just done them for longer and we've, you know, got better at it that way rather than doing wholesale changes. You know, like McDonald's haven't got to where they do by changing their, their, their model every week. You know, it's like this is what works. We keep, you know, sort of trimming away at the edges to make it better, but ultimately this is the structure that works, and I think that's how we've gone about it. And, you know, to be fair, we had a team meeting the other night, and Cam said exactly this. He said, guys, we're, you know, we're doing the right things. Let's just keep getting better at what we do. We're all good at our jobs. Let's just keep going forward. And, you know, without looking to make massive wholesale changes, because ultimately, you know, I mean, apart from if your name is Tiger Woods, there's not too many people who've had a better season than what Cam's had this year. So, yeah, yeah. No, again, like you said, that, that want to get better not isn't necessarily coming from doing it differently. It's just getting better and, and you know, fine-tuning what you actually already do. Is there any pressure from the team aspect, the management people, the people making money along with Cam? I would say there's pressure. I think it's something for us to be mindful of. I think making sure that he still has plenty of time to rest. Because um, you know, obviously there's a lot more constraints and you've seen this you know, on his time. Gary, like, it's making sure that we have time to where Cam's bored and he's got nothing to do and making sure that he's got downtime and time to recuperate because it's great to have, you know, a world-class player from a management point of view and a financial, but, you know, like, if you do the wrong thing by them, you know, that'll be short-lived. So um, just making sure that's managed along with everything else, you know, like his schedule, his downtime, you know, all those things. So, uh, yeah, it's not just as simple as his golf game anymore. That's mm. sure. He's the boss of the team, what he says goes. Yeah, he does. Look, everybody's got their input, and I think one of the beauties about our team is that, you know, everybody stays in their lane. Right. So everybody does their job and focuses on what their role is. You know, if everybody continues to do that, I don't foresee there'll be too many issues. You know, where it starts to change is when people start trying to influence other areas yeah. and, you know, take over certain things. And like, as you said, he's the boss, right? So ultimately it, it stops with him. And if he's not happy, you know, he needs to speak up. But I think he's got great relationships with everybody in the team. You know, like I think, you know, the, the shortest anybody's been involved is probably four years now, four or five years. And obviously to me, he's been, you know, close to 19 years. You know, everybody else has been there for a long time. You know, he's counting like once... He's pretty set on, you know, who he's got. Like, he's not looking for, for changes or looking to, to do things different. And if we do add anybody, and over the years as we've added people, they've got to be, A, the right people, and, uh, B, they've got to be there for the right reasons. Mm. So, and the team you've got, it's a great team dynamic. Like, they're all good personalities. As you said, they stay in their own lane. You know, there's no egos involved. No, they're but, not. And no. everybody's got the camera's best interest, you know. And yep. we live in a world, as you, you know, Gary, you, you can attest to, mm. where... Some coaches, especially, are out there for their own self-glorification, and they're doing things that you and I probably wouldn't do. 
ethically. You know, that's always a constant battle, but I think, you know, I know, especially speaking on Cam's terms, and I'm sure Matt's the same, you know, they're not looking there, they don't give it much time, it's just, you know, this is what I do, and this is who I do it with, and they're pretty happy, so... Uh, Colonel Parkers, mate. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that I think would be great to talk about, obviously Cam won the Open Championship, you being there, Desi wasn't there, but um, Cam's dad, but obviously it would have been an amazing, humbling experience, but tell us about um, after the third round, and Cam's gone out and didn't make many putts and then obviously you and him spent a short time on the putting green give us some insights yeah. into that little bit of gold that he took out in the fourth <laughs> yeah. round yeah well I mean you know, obviously you and I uh, you know, have chatted about this but you know he walked in after the round and like you said he hadn't held many putts and he sort of looks at me and goes we go on the putting green and I was like okay you know as a coach that's kind of the you know it's your time right and yep. I just noticed through the round the, the length of backswing had got a little shorter you know causing him to then need to sort of over accelerate the putter and that sort of tends to happen a little bit under stress for most people that you know whether it be swing or or stroke they get a little bit shorter and so we sort of got the feeling of just lengthening out the backstroke a little bit and allowing the putter head to crash into the ball again which is the way Ken putts I was sort of we weren't looking at anything new but it was just sort of getting him to feel a little bit more length to the stroke which allowed the putter to swing properly and then obviously the next morning you know we did the same thing and he just sort of said to me he goes I just need to feel it like it's going into the back of the hole you know and one of the things we talk about you know Jonah uses this out sports like he talks about two percent more under stress like just feeling just fractionally more than what you would normally do and with the intent of actually being where you would need to be so when Kim sort of said you know I just need to feel in the back of the hole you know me pace wise that was going to be spot on and then you know he went out there and obviously you know I guess the rest is history but turned out he putted amazing and I think that's the genius of, of knowing someone's game just for so many years that. and, it, the, and like, the person knowing and, that person yeah, and that piece of gold like coming from you just from knowing his game knowing his tendencies having the the mindfulness to say that at that time which people would think well that's a very simple thing but that's come from many years of observation if you look now and you look at the science of the sport you know imagine another coach um getting the putting diagnosed on like on a putt lab or some diagnostic tool it's just not the same as that insight that you had at that time to make yeah. to make that call at that time in an environment that it's the highest pinnacle of our sport is a major championship and then for him to go and get it done and obviously there's a lot of courage is amazing you know that on your point there about the courage like you know yes i can you know like you said years of insight of knowing you know when he's doing things a certain way what it looks like i think you can't underestimate how valuable that is and especially when you've got literally a half hour window at the end of the day you know like in their time it was like 9 30 at night mm. you know we're on the putting green and you know I, I said to him not that long ago i said mate i see your swing in my sleep right you know so <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i know what it's doing when it's working well and when it's not and and you, like you said just even from that flow state sort of thing just what it looks like and but he's still got a he's the one that executes you know like i mean he's the one like you said it's got the courage to go and roll those putts in and you know when he can't feel his hands and, and but he's still able to execute i mean i think you know that in itself is just such an amazing ability um, that some players have and, and some players don't you know I mean yeah, that's and very that's, the same and when that, they get going you know they're so good under the pump not everybody can do that. Well, you, 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 you and I have, have, have seen and taught many magnificent-looking golfers, great ball strikers, yeah. and sometimes there can be mystery in why they haven't progressed to a, a main tour around the world. And yeah. and there's obviously lots of reasons and lots of analysing. I had a, an interesting insight this week, a young kid, Nick Hardy, who plays the PJ Tour, I'm, I'm sure you've seen him play. He came to Australia for a week and, and he was telling me a story about his coach sat him down when he was at college and he said, look, Nick, um, I need to talk to you about some of your stats here. You know, you, your driving stats aren't great. Your your putting stats aren't great. You know, you've really got to start to work a lot harder. And, and he said, look, coach, I'm, you know, I'm leading the scoring yeah. average. The coach said, well, look, yes, I, 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 I take that, but you, you still got to work a lot harder. And he said, coach, can you show me the stat that measures your heart and how much ticker you've got? Yeah, where's, where's that stat? He said, I got a lot of it. And the coach yeah. sort of looked at him like, oh, okay, yeah, um, yeah, good point. I call those the non-visible skills, right? You know, yeah. like, it was interesting, I was having that conversation with my son this morning, you know, about, like, there's the stuff that you see, right, that makes somebody look good, you know, yeah. like a Dustin Johnson or a Rory, whatever, you know, they, they look amazing, right? But what's the other stuff that you don't see? And, and you know, that competitiveness and that heart. And, and again, you know, when we're measuring, you know, when somebody's in contention as against not in, you know, like... 
test set, does it look exactly the same? You know, I think um, there's just certain things you can't measure. Um, and like you said, that heart or that courage to stand there and hit the shot mm. is definitely one of them. Yeah. You know? Grant, is there something quirky about Cam? Just something you can tell us that the world doesn't know about Cameron Smith? Uh, not really. I don't no, think, I dig deep. Come on, dig. What you see is what you get with Cam. You know, like he, he doesn't, you know... He doesn't try and be anybody else. I think one of the reasons why, you know, he's, he's becoming so popular is because people feel like they know who he is. And I think you're getting a pretty good sense, you know, through the interviews. Like, he doesn't give you just the cliche answer that mm-hmm. everybody gets. And, you know, he's happy to talk about, you know, how many beers fit in the cup. And he's happy to, you know, um, like the other day when he thought he'd missed the cut. He's happy to go, yeah, you know, I was a few beers deep and, mm. you know, I had to get on the waters because I had to play. And, you know, whereas most guys would go, oh, I went home and I did this and, you know, give yep. you the cliche answer. So, you know, for the most part, you, like, you, what you see is what you get. And, and like I said, that's why he's drawn to Cam. I know, I mean, obviously we all know that he enjoys his fishing and his cars and, you know, all those things and his mates. And so, you know, like mostly what he puts out there, you know, is, is who he is. He's real. Yeah, he, absolutely. And that's why people like, like him. Absolutely. That's, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's that he's real. Guy, that he's, you know, he's got a good heart. He's, he, he really does. Yeah, he's just, just a good guy. And, you know, like, as you said, he's real. And, and that's what you get. Giving us nothing, Grant. Come on. Sorry, I wish I had something. Superstitions, so, mate. Undies, socks, something. Uh, nah, nah, who else our viewers can sort of keep an eye on that you coach because obviously you're you know it's like cam cam yeah. cam with you but anyone else that, that the viewers uh, can keep yeah, an eye on with so, their careers that you, I mean, you think are, are going to go pretty well obviously you know Jed Morgan who some of them would have seen you know won the PGA last year and played on Live this year and Louis Dobler you know won the Aussie Amateur mm-hmm. a couple of years ago Louis just needs to find a home you know he's exceptional and I think he'll be very very good you know young kid Blake Perkins who's still an amateur who's doing a pretty good job and there's a few others that I think are you know a few other pros that are, that are going okay and are moving forward but I think those ones for the younger guys are definitely uh, guys to look out for and yeah you know the future definitely hold you know good things for them Benny word on the world rankings yet? Gary, you heard anything? Yeah. No, I haven't. Matt's like a steel trap. He won't <laughs> yeah, give me anything. No, look, as far as I know, there's nothing. And, you know, I mean, I guess Cam's a little bit more fortunate in the fact that, you know, he's got some yeah. and that sort of stuff. The ones that he wants to play outside of live, he'll, he'll get into, I think. Mm. So for him, it's probably less of a pressing issue as it is, you know, the other guys, obviously... You know, maybe a bit more. I just noticed this morning, I saw Leash has gone out to like 78 in the world. Matt's, yeah. Matt's gone out to like 104 in the world. God, really? Look, it's a shame. Um, mm. Look, everybody's got an opinion on it. And, like, the guys did know that was a potential stumbling block. So mm. I don't think mm. they're as concerned by it as, as the general public. But in yeah. saying that, look, I'm sure they would think it's a shame. And somebody said this the other day, and like, it was like DJ's 40 something. And, you know, any world ranking that has those guys as high as they are probably doesn't quite justify yep. where Matt, everybody is. Matt gave an interview at the Aussie Open and, and he said, how's it actually called a world ranking when everyone in the world's not being ranked? Like, how's it actually called yeah, the official right. official world ranking? I mean, you and I are obviously going to be biased, right, guys? Because yeah. we've got players that aren't getting world ranking points. But, you know, there's somewhere along the line, you know, and, and look, like I said, we can argue all day whether it should be 54 holes or 72 holes or they, mm. they're left for mm. this or whatever. But, you know, when you look at some of the tournaments around the world that are getting ranking points, you know, it's hard to argue why they shouldn't, you know. So take all bias, but, you know, like I said, there's time will uh, tell. There's a lot of other tournaments that are getting, you know, getting points, that's for sure. Mm. When do invitations for the Masters go out, Grant? I think they usually get them before end of year, so... Ooh, um, OK, there's not much time left then, is there? Yeah. We'll see what's going to happen with that. That's a can of worms, isn't it? Oh, no, they'll be playing. Them. All in? All in. I reckon. Yeah, I, I couldn't. Look, the, the RNA made a decision on the, the British Open, and they mm-hmm. said they're looking forward to seeing Cam on the yeah, first tee at 9 Friday. Yeah, but that's a different arrangement to, to that weird gig that is Augusta National with the green coats and 90 players in the field, and 20 of them are older than us. And, you know, it's a different yeah, I gig, think, isn't um, it? You, you've also got, you know, some past champions in there so yeah of course that yes. would go against the history of it if yep. they didn't allow yep. those guys to play you know same as like the open said you know like it's an open for a reason mm. um, so hopefully look hopefully they're, they're all there if they don't then obviously they've just got to live and die by mm. decisions for now and you know uh, but it would be a shame definitely for some of those guys not to get into that field absolutely so Grant you know Cam better than most say he wins the Masters next yep. Year, what's he going to put on for the dinner the following year? <laughs> Good question. His, his <laughs> tastes have changed over the years, but had it been the uh, 17 year old 
Kev, it would have been a palmy and chips from <laughs> <laughs> oh, but, You know, with more money comes better taste buds. So, you know, maybe, maybe some sort of roof and beef or, you know, some sort of... Yeah. Thing and, Does he have to catch and, the uh, roof? You know, <laughs> yeah, well, he probably will, yeah. But, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's taste buds to taste. I wouldn't mind betting though there's a four X gold on there or yep. something. <laughs> so you don't you don't reckon you don't reckon he'd be like Scotty with the bottles of Grange, Hermitage? It'll be more oh, like the four X. I might have that as well, but I reckon a bit of both. Might be a bit of both, I reckon. Uh, ben you know, start with the four X and then you move your way into something a little bit uh, you know. Grant, mate, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thanks so much for um, for your insight. Yeah, thanks, um, mate. And you, you give nothing no worries, away. Nick, no we'll, have, we'll get you on one day when we find out something about Cam that you want to really yeah, tell no, us. Look, like I said, he's pretty much you know an open book within reason. Yeah, okay. So. Okay. Nothing, not like not boxer shorts. Yeah, or just undies, something. Just nothing. Does he socks? Does he, <laughs> his laces? Does he lace his shoes up in a different way? <laughs> oh, we'll find uh, something. We'll let you know when yeah. we know, Grant. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Thanks again, he mate. He has over noticed it, so it mustn't be uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Grant. Thanks for your time. Thanks, thanks so no much, mate. Bye. Cheers, cheers, mate. Well, our tip of the week, Gary, I think it should be based on what you were talking about with Grant, about Cam Smith's punning stroke. I think on a serious note, there was a great insight into what Grant was talking about. Just from general club level, players that all wanting to get better with the putter, there's noted about it that um, the putting stroke should be more of an artistic attitude to putting. I know that we have science now and I know that we have all the diagnostic tools to analyse and even expose components of the putting stroke that are flawed. But if you look at the great, great putters, and I remember the great late Jack Newton would say that great putters look very comfortable over the ball. Mm. They just look like the putter's part of them. And what Grant said was very insightful in the fact that when Cam was going out, or when Cam had finished the third round and then he was, they, they sort of jumped on the putting green and Grant looked at Cam and he talked about the fact that just to lengthen the putting stroke a little bit, let feel the weight of the club hit the ball, that's very, very insightful in the fact that people at club level, just from what I see, get quite short, quite stabby. Mm. It feels it feels like you have control, but you actually don't have control. There was a time, Gary, and correct me if I'm wrong, that when we were playing the tour, it was all about acceleration. It's all about taking the putter back a little bit shorter than the follow-through. Or follow-through-wise had to be accelerating through. That acceleration to the uneducated, there's a force there. Mm. That muscular force manipulates the face of the club and you become very emotional too you 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 can have a 30 footer uphill and and your main thought is i want to get this putt up to the hole and then you just hammer it like eight foot past or you've got a fast putt down the hill and you think well gee i've got to hit this a little bit softer but i'm still trying to accelerate Mm. and you can go you can go pretty crazy so yeah i think that that i know i know it's old school and people would talk about putting like a pendulum and hold the club light and i think that um that there is definitely some value in that. Even 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 from an equipment point of view, over the years, putters have changed. I think when you when you and I were playing, we we're using those old so blade light, those they? old blade putters, very very little grips and very light. Mm, I'm not I'm not sure of the exact weight, but pretty much your normal standard putter, and probably in about the year two thousand, would have been about three hundred grams. Mm. And even though that's that's a number that people couldn't probably relate to you're looking at the standard putter now on the shelves about 350 uh some players are using putters that are 370 Mm. 400 so the the putters have got heavier but again even with the putters being heavier remember that you've got to swing the putter not force the putter Mm. or push Mm. the putter so people that have if we want to use that word the dreaded yips they're definitely short stabby (laughs) Um, <laughs> you, were, you, were speak, you were just, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm stuck on that word emotional. And when, when I used to put the putter back in the bag, I was very emotional <laughs> after every green. And my wife, Sandra, we, we burst into tears when every time I walked off a green. <laughs> and it was because the putter was too light, guys. Was that because the mortgage wasn't getting paid? That was the mortgage was not going to get paid. We weren't going to eat. We, we would always, we'd get this cheap bottle of wine, but it just wouldn't, it meant that we couldn't have the KFC with it. And that was, that was what it meant. Yeah. Mm. Or, the, or, you, or you miss the three-footer and the caddy goes, what happened there? That was my wife, Sandra. What happened there? Yeah, how'd you miss that? So I, I think that I think that's something that we all should think about, especially think of it, think of putting as a rhythm. Mm. Think of putting as, I remember the great Peter Thompson said, you've got to hit a sweet putt 
like a sweet yeah, golf yeah, shot. Yeah, hit out of the centre, hit it nicely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, there's a value in that. There's definitely a value in I that. Love it, love that. Thank you, Gary. That was fantastic, guys. We're going to come Thank back you, and do a summary of 2022. Awesome. Thanks to Inside Golf, this is Backspin. Well, like I said, guys, where do we start 2022? Um, where would you like to start? I just can't. I think of February and I think of Phil Mickelson and I think of Live Golf, wondering where it was going to go, whether it was going to be a success, who was going to play. And he came out with that, that comment that he said he thought off the record to Alan Shipnock, the, uh, the famed, now very famous <laughs> golf journalist. And the world sort of changed, but then it, it, it kind of it, it went back the opposite way. So it was just, when I say that, I mean there were players that weren't get, that, that after that said, no, we're not going to jump, DeChambeau and Johnson. And then not long after that, they said, yes, we are now. So it was kind of that. I start my year with that, which is kind of sad, but we've seen what's come of all that now. And it's and it's actually worked out really nicely. I, don't, don't you think? I mean, the, the PGA Tour now has so much more money to offer and so many more tournaments and more pathways and money you know, being paid to the players when they first get their card to make mm. sure they can stay on the tour financially for a year. The uh, DP World Tour have done the same, 150000 I think that's American dollars, so I guess, I don't know what that it converts to in euros or pounds, but they get that up front. Oh, well, they get that. They're guaranteed that. Um, and that goes right down to the categories of, of the players that get their tour card through the tour school, promise that money if they don't make it. So there's been a lot of great things that have happened. Yeah, from that, from, from, the, from the negatives and the yeah. the you know the so called dividing the game, it did force the other tours to step up. Yep, uh, improve their playing conditions, the money, the different pathways for those tours, and live golf in its own right. I think we were talking about before that twenty twenty one of the last fifty five major winners are playing on the live yeah, golf tour. Yeah. And, you know, I was just thinking that in the end, um, forgetting about joining the PJ Tour or being a part of the PJ Tour, Live Golf is a tour in its own right, as the Asian Tour is, as the Japanese Tour is, European Tour, DP World Tour, PGA Tour, Corn Ferry Tour. It, it just should be seen as its own, its, its own entity. And it's not a competing tour. But the... the, the Thing that we were talking about about the world ranking that's that's the bit that at the moment is sort of flummoxed everybody in the fact that when you look at it logically the sony world golf rankings official golf world rankings yet those players that are playing in live are arguably some of the best players in the world mm. and they're not included in the official sony world rankings so it shouldn't shouldn't really be called the official world rankings because we don't have everyone included mm. in that model. There's a, it's a very fluid system, and everyone is saying it. It was, it was echoed to me by David Michaluzzi, the young Australian player who came ninth in the Australian PGA. I think I've got this right. Then, when it was in February in 2022, this year, this same year, was played again, of course, in in November. He ran fourth. And he didn't get as many points as he got when he ran ninth in in uh, in February. Yeah, well, they've de- they've, they're devaluing the points but around you, the world. Have you seen the? Did you see the two fields though? Yeah, I mean the the PGA that was played just recently, that field was red hot. Mm. And the one in all due respect to our domestic players who are as good as a lot of those guys, just don't get the chance to play in those tours. Um, you know, the field was nowhere near that standard. Yet, yet twice the points. In fact, I think it was three times the points he got for it. So. It's a very flawed. It needs to be fixed. Um, so before, maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe that's why it's taking so long. In their defence, that they've got to iron out all the chinks in it before they can actually redo the rules and then say, okay, this is the reason why, Liv, you're going to be able to play. You're, you're going to be awarded points. Or this is the reason why you can't until you fix these things. The, 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 the exciting part of that is to see where it goes if they say, okay, we want... You've got to have 75 players uh, and you've got to have a cut. You can still have 54 holes and mm-hmm. then live go, okay, fixed, done. Now mm. what? Are we in? What are they going to do then? It's tough because the board, the board's loaded up with an alliance of Absolutely. members that are connected to tours that, that are very opposed to live. And, and audibly, vocally, mm. Mm. 
Yeah, so that they, they, they've got a they've got a, like a lot of analytics to go through, but ultimately the golfing public, um, that voice I think will will win in the mm. end, because the game is underpinned on people that are watching the game. Mm. Yep, watching the game. Interesting. Um, Adam Scott was interviewed, guys, in Queensland, asked about uh, about live. Um, and he was uh, it was suggested to him that there could be a bridge developed between the Live and the PGA Tour um, if if uh, Greg Norman resigns and if Jay Monaghan resigns or are punted, then there's a better chance of that. He he refuted that. Then he said, "Well, why do they need to amalgamate? Do they really need to? Well, they just have just they two don't. They don't. They, well, it's they, a fair point. No one's no one has made that point that I've heard." Yeah, We've all talked about this needs to get together and, and, and organise themselves. Yeah, I, I just think the the big the big sticking point at the moment is if you look at the players like Dustin Johnson, they're sliding out to like forty in the world. Um, I think Leash Leash has gone out to seventy eight in the world because they're not Louis. So that those players, we need to see those players playing majors, mm, mm. and it's not about playing the PJ Tour. It's about the Live Tours having the ability to gain points so they can then qualify mm. for the majors. Yep. That's now Cam won't have to worry because he's a current he's got a five yep. year exemption. Um there's other players that uh have similar. Yeah. maybe two or three years of their exemptions left. Exactly. And and as and as Grant Field pointed out, guys, there's the there's the, the former Masters winners. I mean, um, you know, they have to they are they going to be able to play? Is Augusta going to say yes or no to to the to the live players, yeah, I think I'd, be, might, I'd, be, I think I'd be stunned. I'd be stunned if, if reckon, they don't get to play the Masters. I reckon they're a chance. I reckon they're an outside chance of saying no. I reckon that's the only uh, tournament out of the three, four majors that that might say no. Well, can you and I have a ten dollar bet on that? I, I, I'm, I'm prepared to go twelve dollars <laughs> fifty, but I just in notes though. Okay, yeah. so we'll we'll speak again. So there it is. That's that. That's big. That's big money. Gaz, the highlights outside of the the boo the boo. <laughs> I was going. I'm looking at your your note here, and it's got Ashley Boohai, and I was going to say the boo. Well, what's that term for the Barney, the 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 the, the Biff, the the Boohai? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Tyler, <laughs> oh, I just made that up. I think I might. Have, look, it's our podcast. We can make words up, guys. Everyone. But Scotty Scheffler, like that was it was good to see him um, win the Masters. Yeah, yeah, and it seems like a nice guy. Uh, Justin Thomas winning the PGA. Poor old Mita Pereira, who was who was um, strongly linked to live, um, apparently not going to live at the moment. Um, made that golf swing on the 18th that looked like he'd been electrified by, mm. by a taser or something. Yep. Poor bugger. Um, Matthew Fitzpatrick at the greatest fairway trap shot in history, I believe, on the 18th oh, to that, win the that, US that, Open. That, honestly, that was incredible. Yeah, wasn't it? That was incredible. You, the skill level you need to hit that shot at that time. At that time. Oh, my goodness. Like, that's... That was incredible, that shot. Cam Smith, the open, Gary. And he nearly won the Masters too. Like, we forget yes, about that. Correct. He was right there. That's right. He was right there. Uh, the FedEx Cup, Rory McIlroy. Well, I, I, like, I like what he's done. I don't like what he's saying, although he seems to have softened his view a little. But, I, but um, all, the, all the attention, all the off-course stuff that he's been dealing with, with the live, defending the PGA Tour, and how well he played... Yeah, he nearly won a couple of majors um, and finished up being player of the year, I think. Who was he? Anyway, he should have been if he's not. I'm pretty sure he was. Third, three-time winner of the FedEx Cup. No wonder he doesn't want to go to live. <laughs> I mean, how much there's 100 million there, isn't it? Just in that one Yeah, tournament. look, I think they've got so, he's got so much money now, he wouldn't worry about it. It's, it's, he's, he's definitely taken a combative stance against live. He's become a voice of the PJ Tour. He's, you know, he's special, isn't he? He's a special player. One and a yeah, he's a strong. He's a strong personality. He's obviously he's an unbelievable golfer. I think many years ago, Tiger, even when Tiger was still pretty much in his prime, he said that Rory had so much game. He said when Rory's playing well, no one can get no near one can him. beat him, and he was like that for yeah. a while. Yeah, he was showing yeah. a little bit of vulnerability and contention in major, but not to the point oh, where he's, he he's, he's, no, he's, he's a phenomenal. He's a phenomenal golfer. Like probably one of the greatest players. To play golf, I saw Jennifer Cupchow at the Australian Open, guys. Now she's a um, she won the Chevron Championship, which is the A and A, which is the originally the Dinah Shaw. It's a ma- it's a women's major, the Mirage, mm. the, the Mirage Tour. Well, they jump in, they jump into Poppy's Pond. Yep. So Jennifer Curry, won it. She Curry can she can in. beautiful strong player Cupchow. Uh, and the PGA Inji Chun, US PGA US Open, of course Minji Lee. Now we have 
this was a massive year for Australia. When you mm. think about the Open being the 150 and Minji Lee winning, um, uh, was it the 100th? Women's US Open. They were very important tournaments, weren't they? In terms of obviously majors, but they were both special well, well, majors. We, for we, this know, year. we know one thing: they're not going to be able to defend it in hundred years. Anyway. No, correct. No, uh, no. Well, Minji's quite young, um, but uh, no, she won't. She won't. She's one hundred and twenty now. She'll be too short off the tee for a US Open. She could probably win some one of the minor events mm. in the smaller, shorter courses. Brooke Henderson won the Evian, and uh, Ashley Buhai, who we also saw at the Australian Open. Um, what a lovely, what a lovely girl she well, is. Interesting, a lovely person. Interesting that she's won on two sort of fast, hard golf courses. Yes, she, she made reference to that. So it does, it does say that golf's very sort of everyone has their own game. Like mm. certain horses run well in the yes. wet, yep. dry. Noted about it. Certain courses suit different games, and obviously she loves the wind. Mm. It really. I was down there. Obviously you were down there. Yeah, it was, we, it was we, tough, we, wasn't it? We How walked. tough was that golf course, yeah, Victoria? It's not that. It shouldn't be that hard, should it? It's so skillful. It's such a skillful. Golf course, as in just the just the way you've got it, your golf IQ mm. around there has to be amazing. You've got to know the topography, the greens, it's a, the second shots, the short game variety you need. Mm. There's noted about it; it's a different uh, skill. Those that's, courses. That's the modern golf course, isn't it? That's how they. That's how people, smart people, that are running golf tournaments these days are. Are uh, uh, um, defending their courses against the length the ball goes and how straight it goes, aren't they? Wouldn't you say? Oh, I think it's better viewing too. Uh, Royal Ro- uh, Melbourne, you were down for the Presidents Cup. Yep, you, you can you saw that golf course. I mean, that was exactly like Victoria was this this event. You could drive it on about three par fours, but you could take six on them in a heartbeat. Well, you? the the international players when they play here, they all they all say how magnificent mm. the courses are, especially the courses in Melbourne. And the condition of Victoria and Kingston Heath was stunning. Mm, mm. Like, it was stunning. Like, I'm obviously based at the Australian Golf Club, and it's a it's an amazingly conditioned golf course. But just to go down to Melbourne and just look at the just the land they've got down there, and how natural the golf courses are, and the players just love playing them. There's no doubt about it. And you need to need to be pretty smart. Mm. There's no doubt about it. They're great fun to play too, because because of the history, and that's it's the same at the Australian, New South Wales, and the Lakes. The Australian Opens have been played there. It's, it's fun to get around a golf course that there's been a, a Rory McIlroy and a Jordan Spieth winning an Australian Open at, or a Tiger Woods or something like that. It's fun, isn't it? Oh, it is. It is. It's uh, they 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 they're really great championships down there for sure. Um, do we we. We um, we saw what happened with the Australian Open with the boys and the girls. Mm. We um, I think we both agree uh, there's some issues that need to be ironed out. I think the tough thing we don't is, want to be critical. Because, no, I think, because I think the tough thing is the concept of it is is really good. Yeah, like it's yeah, a, yeah. to have the have the girls or the the women, the men, the all abilities, the the actual concept of it from. A spectator point of view for for someone to come to the golf course and be able to see all of those players mm. and see all of those players at a world class level playing world class golf courses in 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 their our biggest championship for the for the men and the women and and for the all abilities, but to connect it all together to connect it to TV to be watching it at home mm. to be watching. You know, whether it's Scotty having a six-foot putt, critical putt for a birdie, and then the coverage flashes over to another critical part of the, of the and, girls. And the green might have on it, yeah. And then, and then to come back, and then Scotty's already on the next tee, mm. and then def- it, it was difficult It was difficult to watch. I didn't get to watch a lot of it. I got home, and I, I obviously watched a bit of the replay. But that's the thing that... And I don't know if you can solve that because I, 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 there's so much going on. You've got two golf courses. The thing that I the thing that I didn't like is the fact that they'd cut the men's field not only after 36 holes, but then after 54 holes. Mm-hmm. So you've got a you've got a 36 hole cut, which is normal. When you've got 65 plus ties, then you cut it to 30. And what was interesting was that David Branson was last group out on the Saturday and he bogeyed the last to let in another six or eight players. That's right. Yeah, we were watching that. And then Canizares yeah, yeah. 
Yep. Then shoots six or seven under the last round. Yep. Runs fourth. Now, if David had a par the last, Canazaro's not even playing exactly. on Saturday. Yep. Now, Cam Smith, who's the marquee player down there, and Cam played with Matt the first 36 holes with Morocco, and we, we they had a big crowd watching them. And then Cam makes a 36-hole cut on the number. And then he had an amazing crowd just following him, mm-hmm. like at 8 o'clock at 7.30 in the morning on Saturday. And then Cam, unfortunately, misses the next cut, and he's on a plane going home. Now, he would have been playing on the Sunday, mm. and that, that's cost the playing public or the paying public the opportunity to watch Cam yeah. again. And a lot yeah. of people, as you know, when they're buying their Australian Open tickets, not everyone gets to go every day. You know, you mm. get... Mm. You know, a guy might be working on Saturday. He, he takes his family out on Sunday, yep. and we're going to go and watch Cam Smith. It's like a two-day well, like two test match. Yeah, so Cam, <laughs> Cam Smith's not even there. Yeah. Yet he should have been there. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's got to change. I, 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 you know, I, I, I don't know what they've got to do. I've spoken to some pretty good minds in the, um, in the industry, but to get everyone playing on the last day, they've got to cut the numbers down because mm. they can't have too many players. Correct. The day's not long enough. I don't know how they're going to do it. No. I don't know how they're going to do it, but they've got to, they've got, next year is the same at the Lakes and the Australian Open. They've from it, hopefully, guys. They've seen what they've seen, how they can improve. But it was a bit of an experiment. The positives, the positives outweigh the negatives. Yeah, um, yeah. But we would like it to I, – I, you've, got, you've got to see that, that proper cut for the last day yeah, for the yeah, Men's Australian yeah. Open. It's our marquee event and the, and the ladies as well. Mm, so The, the Canazari is actually isn't – uh, fully exempt. He's got a conditional, some sort of conditional status in Europe. And I was talking to one of the drivers who was driving him to the, well, I think back from the golf. And they know more. Sunday. They know more than anybody. The drivers. Well, uh, yeah, apparently it's like the, yeah. cab, the cab drivers <laughs> yeah. know who's going to win the election. <laughs> yeah, forget about all the polls. And it was interesting because, yeah, he because of that finish, because of the because of David Branson, as you're saying, blowing a shot out. I think he bogeyed the last or something to let all these other guys in. Canazari's got to start for the weekend. For Sundays, like you said, 263, he now gets his, um, he's re-ranked one, so he's getting more starts. Two, he gets a start in, the, I think, the next two events because of that, that fourth place finish. And he gets a start in the British Open, which he hadn't had. So, you know, it, it's just, so he's and, gonna, and, and he, as you said, a shot more, Branson pars the last instead of bogeys, and he's on a, he's on a plane. Yeah, so he sends David a Christmas present, you think? Every year he will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Caddy for me in the open. No, yeah. Um, just, just to finish, guys, um, I saw, I was walking down the fifth fairway um, at the Australian Open, and I just glanced up and saw my old mate, Matty Miller, who was also in that same position where he barely made the cut. Um, How good's Matty Miller? And then ran seventh in the tournament. Now, the guy, they hit their drives. He was playing with um, uh, Rasputin Hasgard. Hogarth, <laughs> Rasmus Hogarth, Sandra calls him Rasputin, and um, Blake Collier. And they're not the longest hitters in, in the world, but they're not short. Um, they both drove down the fifth, and then Matt hit the hit his shot. I think Matt actually had the honour. Drove look what appeared to be a nice drive. The other two guys just flew it, fifty-one metres past. I paced it. And, and and did the sprinkler head thing. Matt's got like I think he's nearly hitting a hybrid, or, or he's I think his longest iron is a six iron. So he's going in with six iron. Hits it to about fifteen feet. The other two have got you know a, a rusty looking wedge, something rather long mm. wedge or whatever. They hit it to twenty feet and twenty five feet. The end of the day, Matt beat them both, and then shot sixty, shot sixty seven, sixty six on the weekend, and ran seventh in this golf tournament. Now that's that, that, that to me. I mean that's an amazing effort, and Matt is a wonderful player. The shortest, best player I think I've ever seen. Because mm. uh, there is a point where that just cannot work. You know, he, he, I remember him saying he, he was playing at uh, Royal Pines one year, seven thousand three hundred yards long or something. So yeah, like, that's you all, know, I, I'm going to struggle. That's why the, the that's why the golf course set up Matt. He'd be licking his lips. That's what I'm. Yeah, another another point that that is a uh, relating to what you, the point you made about Victoria Golf Club and how it was set up, and, and it was it wasn't even seven thousand yards; it was six thousand nine hundred yards. Well, the first tee shots are par four, and they were hitting. Yeah, I think they were hitting two irons, three yeah. irons off the tee. But then there were plenty of fives in that hole too. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah so plenty of fives. So it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a great setup. Unfortunately, you need a golf course like 
a sand belt, though, to make that work, don't mm. you? You need the pin placements. I guess the lakes is a little bit like that after what after um, Clate's new green designs. I mean, you can't have them very quick, obviously, because the, the ball can run off when it gets windy. I think Roger Davis made well, that point. We, 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 we had the um, the Sydney pennant final yesterday at the lakes, New South Wales versus Australian Golf Club, and course was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. It was it was like raining, blowing, but the course was in great shape. Greens were beautiful. They can't run them too fast mm-hmm. the, at the lakes because of the of the design of the greens. But they were just it was in superb condition, and I, I was thinking to myself, "Gee, this is this is a good golf course." Really yeah, okay. Well, that's good. That's good yeah. to hear because he copped a lot of flack, didn't he? he, he yeah, I don't think he deserved. I don't think he deserved it. No, there's, I, I there's, agree. there's no way he deserved that. Uh, I think he did a good job. I there. think he's a. I think he's a. Um, he's a step ahead of everyone. I think he's designing golf courses like those courses. Well, redesigning you know, yeah, like, like the Yeah, yeah. Clates. Clates is a very intelligent guy. Yeah, yeah. He's a. He's a golf historian. He. He looks at. You know, he 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 looks at golf architecture like. I look at golf swings. Like mm. people think I'm I'm crazy. Yeah, well you and are. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, well, my wife Nicole would agree do, with do, that. Do you think of my swing in your sleep, dude? I did until it started to scare me. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm I'm sort of wake. I started I started waking up at three in the morning in cold sweats, and and Nicole would go, "Are you all right?" And I said, "No, I just it's Larry again. I can't it's sleep Larry again." <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> That's that's why I stopped, stopped coming down here to Barrow to give you a golf yeah, lessons. Yeah, thank you, mate. Yeah, yeah. you did. Yeah, you stopped that quite a while ago. Yeah. Um, Gary, I think I think we're nearly done for the show. I think that's us. Awesome. Have we missed anything? Have we we've, we've had a crack at. A I don't think so. I, I, I Tiger just, Woods' I, son. Do we have a, we had a crack at that? Yeah, that ridiculous yeah, antics. Yeah, that. yeah, that's that was um, mm, that was that was a bit it's embarrassing. But Come I think on, I think um, let's watch out for Cam Davis next year. Yes, yes, good call. Yeah. Played the President's Cup. He's he come out the Aussie the other day. He had a hit at New South, I think, with Matty Jones and Matt's brother. And he's a he's a great he's a great. I say he's a kid because you and I are getting yeah, old. Yep, yep. Um, but gee, he's, he's a great player. He looks looks amazing. How good does he look? Yeah, it's the first time I've seen him since for a couple of years. He's a golf. He's a golf. Wow. He's a golf nut. And he's. Uh, I'm looking forward to him uh, playing well next year. Oh, just to finish, just to finish, guys. Um, I think I can say this on air. Yes, I can. My, my brother-in-law, Mark Churcher, he's a golf pro. You know yep. Mark, yeah, big, know big Mark. Mark. Yep. He's one of my best mates as well, but he may not be after this. Um, he was behind <laughs> the counter at uh, Coinda Waters doing, he does a little bit of casual work for Coinda. And um, and Jimmy Ballard, a, a sit, old Sydney golf pro, walked in with with some mates. And Mark knows Jimmy and they had a conversation, went for quite a few minutes. And Jimmy's a real character. He's He's got some great stories. And anyway, this other guy walked up to the counter, and as, and as Mark's talking to, to, to Jimmy, he said, um, you want to play in the comp, mate? He said, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll play in the comp. Yeah. He said, What's, do you have a golf link number? And he's going, oh, geez, it's been a while since I've had one. I'll have to hang on. I'll just And he, and he pulled a golf link card with all the numbers sort of half worn off it. Try this one. No, it doesn't work. And then before he could, the conversation go any further, there's another pro behind the counter who walked up to Mark and said, you know, they don't have golf link cards over in the PGA Tour now. He said, what? He said, it was Cam Davis you're talking to, mate. He said, oh, no, it's not. Sorry, mate. He goes, yeah. <laughs> That's Mark Churcher. You can get his uh, phone number here on uh, Kawinda Waters. <laughs> <laughs> Look, thanks, guys. Thanks for, uh, for Thank everything you, for this year. Thanks for coming in. Thank Andy, you, Andy. Andy, our producer. Merry Christmas. Thank you very much, mate, you handsome brute. And uh, listeners, thank you for listening, and we'll be back very early in the new year.